An Yong, welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. Uh, I am your host, Darren. With me today, I have two guests. First, I have Melissa Becker. Hello, Melissa. Hello. And I also have Alex Keeley. Hello, Alex. Hi. And today, we're going to be covering episode 12 of season two, which is Hand to God. It's the second half of a two-parter, the previous of which was called Out on a Limb. Uh, so obviously, <laughs> references <laughs> references to uh, a very specific incident that occurs in this episode. Uh, this is actually, uh, in terms of the the run, this is kind of uh, the second. Like we're kind of reading into the second half here of the of the the kind of all the fifty three episodes. Um, I think if you count up the amount of appearances that Tony Hale makes, he has exactly fifty fifty with and without the hand. No. Um, so <laughs> because he missed quite a few episodes in season one, so based on appearances. Uh, but I think in terms of the actual midpoint, I think it was a couple of episodes ago that was the actual middle of the original 53 episodes. Uh, there's a few kind of like flashbacks early in the episode that cover stuff that happened in the previous episode. Uh, the two episodes were broadcast on the same day, uh, back to back. Uh, so Fox really trying to burn through this second season <laughs> and get it out of the way. They... <laughs> They'd already cut the episode order at this point by four, so like doubling up two episodes is is never really a sign that the the network um, likes you. Uh, the first season, the 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 season one finale actually broadcast outside of the Nielsen window, so they really uh, Fox were were kind of very keen to to get this show off the air for some reason. <laughs> But before we get into that, I just want to ask both of you, when did you first come to the show? Um, and I will start with Alex, uh, being a fellow countryman. Obviously, he would have watched it, if he did at the time, on BBC Two. Um, or did you catch up with it later on on DVD? Or uh, did you come to it on Netflix? So um, I think I started watching it in about 2006, 2007. Um, and that was bizarrely, there was a, a free DVD that came with The Times, and it had like the first two episodes or the first episodes. <laughs> so I've got to thank Rupert Murdoch now for both The Bugle and Arrested Development. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just watched that and then and then uh, just powered through everything that was already out of it. I think the first two series by that point. And then, um, uh, yeah, just watched a lot of my friends at school and stuff. And it just became a became my favourite show, pretty much. What episodes were on that DVD that came Is, with it, the it, Times? It, it, I think it was the pilot, and then maybe maybe also the second episode, but it was definitely definitely the pilot. And it's um, yeah, it was already very funny. The first, obviously, it's a show that gets much much better the more you watch. But I, I like how we've made this super British by already having the Times and BBC Two being mentioned so quickly. Um, <laughs> I, I get that so reference. Ha- I... <laughs> sorry, the, the, sorry, the London, the Times of London. Sorry. <laughs> so, Melissa, when did you come to the show, having the advantage of being in the country where it was actually being broadcast by Fox? Yeah, no, I, I, I was watching it from the very beginning. I um remember that year, uh, Entertainment Weekly does their annual fall TV roundup and called it the the best pilot and the best comedy of the of the year. So, um, I, I watched it from the very first episode and and. You know, was hooked, had it on my TiVo. Um, yeah, was you know, it, all my friends watched it. I mean, we were we were those hipster people who didn't understand who wasn't watching Arrested Development. Everybody watched Arrested <laughs> Development, so yeah, I, I watched all of these as they aired. Uh, and you just said you met Tony Hale. How did you meet did. Tony Hale? It's sort of a weird story. I um, I currently, I currently, I live here. I live in Tallahassee, Florida, which is the um, state capital of Florida. And he's from here. I don't think he was born here, but his family moved here when he was in high school and he got into acting here. He does some um, fundraising with the little local theater here that where he started acting. And his brother went to the same law school I did, uh, FSU Law. And um, while I was going there, his brother actually was coming to give a, a talk on, um, I think he does compliance with like uh, a utility company. Yeah, very boring stuff. But um they give you free pizza at these things. So I went, I'm a poor law student and, and Tony Hale showed up. Cause I guess he and his brother were in town for something. And, you know, his brother's like, I'm going to go to law school and give a speech. And he, he's like, well, I'll go too. And he was very nice. He, he, you know, was, was great. I didn't have like, I, I didn't know he was going to be there. So I didn't bring anything, but he was, he was just the nicest guy and people who did have their phones. He did selfies. He, he, you know, did everything. He was, he was just great. Has some, 
has Tony Hale been in anything where he isn't because his character in Veep isn't a million miles away from Buster? Really, is it? Has he been in anything where he's had more of a backbone than? <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I'm trying to think uh, without pulling up IMDb. Um... I mean, not really. He kind of. I think. I think like. Uh, I, you know, Buster being in uh, the Arrested Development was kind of like his first really big, um, like major role, mm-hmm. um, and he's you know he's been in a few films, but whenever I've seen him in in films like, um, uh, I mean, recently I've seen him in American Ultra, and he kind of still plays the same kind of like wimpy, <laughs> like kind of character. I think it's just it's just kind of you know how he how like how he 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 is. He, um, he, and he also has a face of of just sort of he has such an expressive face for sort of that. Um, I don't know how I got here, but I definitely shouldn't be here. <laughs> That's just um, that it would almost be a shame to have him in 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 a, something where he wasn't able to do that, make that face that he does so well. Well, I mean, I just want to let you know that he was actually born in West Point in New York. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think he was born here, but he moved here. Which, of point. course, is best known for um, housing the university that, uh, I, I guess, they train soldiers. Yeah, West Point is a, it's a famous military college, yeah. So it's interesting that he was born where <laughs> West Point is, and his character has this very long-running story <laughs> yep. about kind of reluctantly trying to go into the army. <laughs> Where basically his home, his hometown college football team would play with the word army across their chest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I have to, I have to feel someone on the writer's staff at Arrested Development probably knew that uh, and was doing it as kind of like an inside joke. <laughs> but anyway, let's get into this episode because it's the second half of the two-parter. Like I said, broadcast on the, the 6th of March uh, along with Out on a Limb. It sees the return of Tony Hale's uh, future boss... Uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus as Maggie Liza. This is the last episode where we'll have Maggie Liza, uh, along with Officer Carter and Officer Taylor. This is the last episode featuring them. Uh, they they were actually featured in different episodes in season one, but obviously the writers they like uh, Jerry Miner and Jay Johnston, um, and so they kind of brought them back <laughs> to 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 return with uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus. Um, and we start with. Um, there's been this dilemma where Michael thinks Maggie is having his kids, something which is indicated in Out on a Limb by the joke about how Michael thinks it's been a year since they've seen each other, but <laughs> yeah. but it turns out it's eight and a half months. Uh, now, in fact, the episodes since Maggie Liza Warren were broadcast a year earlier, so Michael is correct in that way, but obviously within the universe they've decided to make it eight and a half months. Well, the, the universe doesn't get the summer hiatus, obviously. <laughs> no. <laughs> Here Michael wants to tell uh, George Michael about the fact that uh, Maggie might be having a child. Michael tells us that Annie's trying to get Nip Tuck taken off the air. <laughs> uh, which is... Uh, a, like one, there's a few things in this show that end up dating it, and I think that is a very kind of dated joke essentially in modern day it would be um american horror story yeah because those both aired on fx which you know to to go a level deeper which uh, fx is owned by the fox broadcasting empire so um unlike when she was trying to to huh yeah unlike when she was trying to ban uh desperate housewives i think was either (laughs) a previous or a later one desperate housewives was on a different network so this one they at least kept it uh in the family that's my favorite um version of that joke it's the guy the other guy coming out going it's a satire it's it's lovely (laughs) yeah mark cherry is actually he used to write on the golden girls with mitch Hurwitz, so that's why they were able to get him for that joke and obviously mark cherry will be a character in season four which Mm -hmm. if we ever do season four we'll talk about with season four um (laughs) But yeah, so <laughs> this is where Michael, George Michael gets to turn around the, the joke that is usually played on Anne, where <laughs> Michael tells, tells him... I, I kind of reconnected with that blind prosecutor I used to date, Maggie Lizer. And George Michael says... Her? <laughs> didn't she turn out to not be blind, though? Which is, <laughs> which, you know, is a nice little bit of filling in some of the backstory. I, I like how um, George Michael is acting like his father... And how um, Michael like really likes that this is going on, um, you know, where George Michael says he might not be pregnant, 
And Michael goes, see, that's what I thought. Boy, you really are my kid. <laughs> and <laughs> and I love how he uses that to say, and apparently, so is this one. <laughs> Which, uh, we find out that Lindsay and Tobias, of course, in the previous episode, they broke into Maggie's house uh, and collected some urine to test. We'll find out later on in the episode <laughs> that they didn't get the right urine because they was they were so... Um, <laughs> intensely getting back together. The main storyline for them this season has kind of been about the open relationship, but there's been a, a few episodes recently um, in 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 season two where the plot is kind of having them not be in an open relationship and having them do stuff together that means they kind of get back together. I love how, you know, George Michael gets excited about being a big, big brother. <laughs> Michael goes, not going to happen though, because yeah. she doesn't want anything to do with me. <laughs> you know, he talks about how fun it would be and then he immediately shoots it down, <laughs> which I, you know, I kind of like. Uh, and then the narrator starts us on this, this, the kind of the other big story of this, this particular episode, um, where he tells us that Michael's family had just gotten a little smaller. Uh, which, of course, <laughs> is the is the start of the long running saga of Buster no longer having a hand. Yeah. And I I love that um, uh, you know as they as uh, as Lucille and Oscar run into the like drive into the hospital, they take the hand off of the sign that mm-hmm. says "Buckle up," um, which is one of the one of the many jokes that'll be in this episode, kind of about um, you know. People losing hands, uh, which includes, of course, Job um, sending the seal back into the ocean, saying he'll no longer be hand fed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and this is where we get our only kind of crossover with um, uh, George Senior's storyline. Um, he's he's he, for some reason he's out of the the uh, the attic, and um, he's he's at a local Ford dealership. And the car salesman tells him that the Bronco has been discontinued. Uh, they're trying to shed that whole fugitive on the run thing. Uh, to which he then says, this is the escape. <laughs> um, now, I, I, I don't know if the Ford Escape really did replace the Ford Bronco. I mean, Ford makes both of them. And, um, you, you know, that sort of uh, felt to me like a really funny joke that was in the writer's room that almost... Because George doesn't do anything else in that episode than, than hear that joke. And then has yeah. the near collision. But... You know, you could have probably excised all of that and lost absolutely nothing in the episode. But I, but, but I think they really like that joke. Um, in particular, <laughs> there's a an interaction between Oscar and George and Lucille as Lucille drives in. Um, uh, you know, she she almost hits the Ford Escape coming out of the dealership, and um, as as George <laughs> yells. Um, you know, up yours, Granny. Lucille uh, yells back. You couldn't handle it. And then, and we see this first from Lucille's point of view, and then seconds later, we see it from George's point of view. I don't know. I don't know why they put that in. I'm not quite sure why George Senior wanted to look into getting a new car. Um, I guess maybe part of this is him wanting to get out of the attic some way and kind of um, once again try and flee. Uh, yeah. But yeah. they don't they don't really do anything with it. There was a shortcut scene from the on the next at the very end where we see George Senior return the car and he insists that the bullet holes were there when he <laughs> took it out. And then he just literally runs away, uh, thus pr- fulfilling the prophecy of becoming um, a fugitive on the run uh, <laughs> from the car dealership this time there. But I love Lucille uh, and Jessica Walter in particular, like her whole there's a kind of through line in this episode of of her being very protective towards Buster, even more so now that he's lost his hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does a few things in this episode where she's trying to protect Buster. Um, but I I love that when um, George Michael and Michael show up, she she immediately goes to George Michael saying, you'll have to be the baby of the family. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it says something that Buster, who is 31 years old or something at this point, has been viewed as the baby of the family for so many years. And that Lucille needs that baby. Like, you know, if, she, if, if <laughs> yeah. Buster's dead, because at that point, Buster's dead, it's like, well, <laughs> gotta go get a new one. <laughs> yeah. Get over here. Obviously, she, at this point, she sent An Young away to the uh, Milford Academy, so really, he should be the baby of the family, but... Uh, <laughs> and I love how George Michael tries to get her off by saying, maybe he's younger than me. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, we get the reappearance here of, um, of uh, Dr. Fishman, played by uh, Ian Roberts. 
uh, one of the founders of um, the Upright Citizens Brigade. <laughs> I love how he says, um, you know, but Lucille asks, how's my son? And Dr. Fishman says, he's going to be all right. Lindsay uh, says, finally, some good news for the guy. Uh, from from this guy, sorry, and George Michael says, "No other guy. way to take that." Which I I love. Yeah. I love that everyone in the family knows how terrible this doctor is. And then, of course, Doctor Fishman says, "That's a great attitude." I got to tell you, if I was getting this news, I don't know that I'd take it this well. And he explains he lost his left hand, so he's going to be all right. And <laughs> this is when Lucille starts attacking him. Uh, and we get Michael saying he's a very literal man. Literal man. And the weird thing is that's an ADR line that's kind of on the side of Jason Bateman's head. Yeah. But you can see that his lips aren't moving at all. Yeah, you know, I get the I get the feeling that was maybe for the okay caps go away. Uh, that was for the audience that was you know maybe hadn't seen all the previous episodes and all the appearances of the Doctor. If you hadn't seen that, um, you know, maybe you'd just be like, I don't under, you know, <laughs> yeah, why, it just... why, why is this Doctor so terrible? There are a few ADR lines in this episode that um, are clearly just on the back of people's heads and then they just are obvious ADR lines. But that's one of the, the other ones because you don't see Jason Bateman's lips move at all. Um, you just hear the words, he's a very literal man over the top. Um, and I like how Dr. Fishman realises being beaten up by Lucille is how someone should really take the news. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then, of course, we get... This is probably one of my favourite scenes in terms of Tony Hell's like, delivery because he kind of becomes slightly hysterical as the scene goes on. And, you know, he talks about how he doesn't have to go to army because the seal with the bow tie attacked me. And I love how we get that specific detail in early in this episode. So it could be something particularly that like Michael knows what the seal with the bow tie is. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a, a nice way to, to kind of start to put the, the Job part of the storyline in. Um, and then, I, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I love how, of course... We get the uh, we get some of Oscar's kind of music when um, when Lucille says, you know, she's always warned against going in the ocean. So has your father. And then Buster goes, my father. And we see <laughs> we see Oscar about to like eat some jelly, and he then stops half half like halfway through. And then of course Lucille goes, George Senior. <laughs> and then I love Lucille screaming, "Get my son the juice!" Um, yeah. Yeah. Which tied in with the whole Bronco stuff, I feel is got to be like an OJ reference <laughs> that they're going for here. Well, and and also because you know she's always been juices juices has always been a code word for almost getting him drunk. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I I thought it was a lot like that. Uh, I think it was a first season episode when uh, when Michael is best man for the job with the Rock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When yeah, when when that when that accident happens, whenever Michael's close to remembering, she like you know is like, get him some more drugs, get him some more drugs. It was sort of like <laughs> this is Buster's version yeah, of get him more, some more drugs. Or moves, or moves, moves his more pillows so that his head whacks back yeah. onto the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I love this interaction between Buster and Michael. Um, we do have quite a few interactions between these two brothers in the show, and it generally tends to be kind of more tender stuff. But I love how this ramps up really quickly where. Buster is saying these kind of half jokes <laughs> and Michael is laughing along, almost like what he used to do with Maggie. And the first time he met Maggie, he had to keep laughing to indicate he was getting her jokes because, of course, she was pretending to be blind. So here we get that forced laugh again where, um, you know, he says there's going to be a baby. Uh, and then Michael's, you know, like um, he says, my hat's off to you. And Buster goes, my hand is off to you. <laughs> and then... Michael kind of just starts awkwardly laughing and then, you know, he's like, don't get your hopes up about that. And Buster finishes, I love the way Tony Hale goes, hand transplant. The kind of, the cadence of it. And, you know, he, he's like, uh, you know, we had we had a bit of a fight and, you know, Buster says, you obviously care about Maggie. Um, and I love how he says, a seal didn't bite your Linus off, did it? Yep. <laughs> um, and then he's like, Go ask for her hand. <laughs> and then this is where Michael says, Maybe I'll get one for my brother while I'm at it. And as he makes the joke, Buster just kind of snaps and gets really angry and starts screaming, <laughs> Get him out of here! Get the f*** out of my room! And I just love how he completely kind of 
in that moment, after being so kind of like jokey, he just gets super angry at Michael for like making a joke that essentially he probably would have made himself. Um, but I just kind of love how how kind of over the top Tony Hale goes straight away with this kind of anger and and screaming and shouting. Um, and it's just kind of one of the the funnier scenes. Yeah, and, 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 and swear think... words as well. Um, yeah. which is very funny and doesn't make sense at all for Buster to be speaking like that. <laughs> Michael, even though even though Buster went crazy at him, he does follow the suggestion to go back to the courtroom uh, to find Maggie. Um, and this is where Barry says that he gave her a spanking in court today. And then we flash back to the court scene and Henry Winkler spanks, literally just spanks her. Um, and Maggie says, you know, he spanked me. And I like how we, when he says, you know, he gave her a spanking in court, we think that somehow maybe it was because Barry got a victory over her. But no, he just literally spanked her. This whole case is very interesting, actually, because um, and this is the, the, the case that's going on. And, and, you know, they discuss it more in the previous episode. But the case that's basically going on is, is a waitress is suing. Uh, is it is it is it Klimpy's? Skips. No. No, it's not Clint. If, this, in fact, there's, there's two very clever jokes here because we found out in the previous episode that she had been eating the Skip Scramble. That's right. And the 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 name of the the the, uh, the restaurant is Skip Church. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because it's only open on Sundays. Yep. And Barry says here that, uh, you know... Friday night, you might want to try Miss Temple's. Tell her Barry said... Oh, I did good today. <laughs> um, that's, that's very good. So, but um, yeah, this this whole case yeah. is actually based on a true story, a true case. This happened. A um, it happened in Brazil, where somebody sued sued a restaurant for making them fat. A employee sued a, an employee in Brazil. This is in 2010. An employee in Brazil sued the McDonald's he was a manager at, um, claiming that uh, because he was given free food, you know, as, as part of working there. And then also because part of his job was constant quality testing of the food that he had gained over the 12 years he worked there, like, you know, six, it wasn't, it was, it was like 70 pounds or something. And the court in Brazil, yeah. you know, fa- found in his favor. But I know McDonald's probably appealed and, and you can't find anything after that. I mean, it was a big story at the time. And, and I suspect that, it was in the minds of the writers when they came up with this. But, um, yeah, I don't think that would happen in the U.S. In fact, I did a little bit of research. 26, 26 states actually ban the ban any lawsuits against a fast food or restaurant for uh, obesity. Oh, well, so, see, someone must have tried it then. If they, if they, if 26 states have gone to the trouble of putting a law on the books to stop it from Yeah, I, I think it was a reaction to this Brazil case. And there was also um, a case out of Chicago where... The case in Chicago wasn't an employee. It was um, children and parents who had sued saying that, that they had thought that oh, happy yeah. meals were healthy. But um, yeah. but that had been yeah. dismissed very early on. I do on, remember that. But, yeah, so yeah. so this is this is sort of based in true story, but it happened in Brazil. Probably wouldn't happen in California, but it's just sort of, it's uh, <laughs> not totally out there. <laughs> Well, the skip scramble is just such a funny joke that because it's just it's just disgusting. It's her, like impossible and horrific, and <laughs> all this mixture of. Sh- 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 the narrator tells you, "Don't try this." Exactly. Skip yeah, scramble. yeah, yeah. Don't order. <laughs> Don't order the skip scramble. <laughs> I mean, but that being said, um, like you know, the Denny's over here has pretty much exactly that stuff. I can go get a. I can go. I can go to IHOP right now and get like it's it's like a three meat breakfast. Steak, sausage, and bacon. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't sound, <laughs> that doesn't sound very good. But yes, of course. Now this is uh, this is where we we kind of get the half of the revelation because Barry says that Loretta is not fat and Maggie bought her a fat suit, which is what Michael now he thought the fat suit was because um, because that Maggie wasn't pregnant, and and so obviously uh, she then kind of disproved him. Um, but now we find out that Loretta is the one wearing the fat suit. Of course, this turns out to be completely wrong because it is, in fact, the other way around. And Michael was correct in the first episode. Um, and then, of course, uh, you know, Michael manages to, to ca- try and catch up with Maggie. And we see Officer Taylor and Carter are there. Um, and we, we find out about the break-in, which, of course, was, um, you know, Lindsay and Tobias 
in the previous episode. We find out that Maggie called the police and she says because, you know, maybe she did want to hurt Michael. Except she probably um, didn't call the police. <laughs> but the funny thing is here is um, the whole thing about whether or not Michael is the father is kind of what the first episode turns on. And we get a tiny bit of that here, but we get the added storyline of of um, of like Michael being a good guy yeah. and how he's obsessed with like not being seen as being the bad guy. And so obviously, you know, she says that he's only here because of loyalty to the baby. He says that it's not just about the baby. As we get, <laughs> you know, she says that it's, you know, he's not the father and it was it's from a sperm bank. And she says uh, that all she knows is that the father's some guy from Harvard. And I, like Michael says, <laughs> it's, it's, okay. it's probably some geek Simpsons writer's kid. I don't want to get too much into the, the, the makeup of the staff of The Simpsons, but they have a lot of Harvard writers on that staff. <laughs> they did for the first kind of like the first seasons when it was put together by James L. Brooks. It was a lot of Harvard guys uh, that were on that staff. So I just I love that joke because it's such a kind of inside baseball type of joke where it's like, like, I don't know. I mean, if you don't know that The Simpsons is staffed by Harvard Crimson guys, then you probably have no idea what that is referring <laughs> to. Um, but I love that at this point, Michael uh, is asked by Maggie, are you really that great of a guy? And the narrator says, Michael had always thought of himself as that great a guy. And Michael goes, of course I am. And the narrator tells us, and he regretted that the moment he said it, <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, which I really love. Yeah, M Michael's um, tension between, and obviously, I mean, you know, we've seen Michael's family. We understand why he wants to be thought of as a great guy, because he doesn't want to be like them. Um, but the tension between Michael's like image in his head of what a great guy does, which is always just so over the top. And I mean, an actual great <laughs> guy would, would still, you know, like you don't have to be with a woman who lied to you repeatedly and, um, uh, is pregnant with another man's child who you haven't seen in, in eight and a half months to be a great guy. But in his mind, it's just so, I don't think he has any, any, uh, baseline for what actual goodness is <laughs> it's like weirdly chivalric almost isn't it like the, i don't know there's but there's, there's this yeah which isn't pretty good <laughs> well and, and just thinking of it now <laughs> if that is the standard of great guy then by that metric is is george senior a great guy because he he raised a child that wasn't his uh he raised two of them if we're including Lindsay. <laughs> Well, three, if you want to include Anyong. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, at this point, we get back to Buster, um, who has come home um, after his operation. It's worth noting that Job isn't in the room as Buster comes back, um, because that sets up a, a great reaction from from Will Arnett. Um, and I love, I love how <laughs> Lucille says, um, "Don't salute him." Like that idiot guard did down to downstairs, <laughs> and when he enters, we see that um, Buster has a, a cut on his head because obviously um, he must have saluted back. When Buster comes in, of course, he does one more awkward joke where he says, "Let's all give me a big hand," and literally everybody there—George, Michael, and uh, Lucille, and Oscar, and Michael—they all start doing this really awkward laugh. <laughs> Buster goes up to George Michael. Um, and as he approaches George Michael with this hook, uh, George Michael goes, oh, my God. And this is going to be a, a, a reaction that all of the, the Bluths will have for the rest of the run of the show, which is every single time Buster approaches them and they see the hook, they immediately recoil and they all have trouble hiding it. And then, of course, uh, you know, when, when Job enters, <laughs> he can see the plaster on... on um, on Buster's head, and he's like, Oh, what's the matter, Buster? Did you hurt yourself? And I know how Will Arnett kind of says that so casually, and he's not prepared when, when Buster's like, hook comes up, yeah. and he kind of jumps back, and he just yells, He's got no hand. He's got no hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's great because they do a good job of, of not telegraphing the Job isn't there in the hospital. Yeah, like they 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 don't do anything one way or another. To but you know, so many people are there that that I didn't notice that Job wasn't there the first time until he he, he comes out there, and then it's and then that's just that's what sells it. And then it, then you're retroactively amused by the fact that they called everyone else in the family but <laughs> Job. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, and this is where Michael says, Buster went swimming in the ocean, and according to him, a seal with a bow tie bit off his hand. Uh, this, of course, allows Michael to have, you know, kind of like an inside track on who he thinks is responsible for this. And, of course, Tobias says that this is the playful mutterings of a shock victim. A seal would never prey on a human, unless, of course, it had acquired a taste for mammal blood. And I'm not quite sure why Tobias <laughs> would know that, but I guess, you know, he's a doctor, so... He's a doctor! He went to medical school! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I guess, I guess he would know. And then, of course, uh, we see, you know, Job... <laughs> sending the seal back into the ocean and i i love how um he says <laughs> i mean how the hell would a seal know how to tie a bow tie anyway i can barely tie the yellow one i wear in my act and i love tony hale's reading of <laughs> this one had a yellow bow tie <laughs> <laughs> and at this point um lucille for some reason decides to pray to god because of course in the previous episode she prayed that um you know buster wouldn't have to go to war and I love that uh, Michael, the relationship between Jason Bateman and like Lucille Walters, the kind of chemistry they have together as uh, as a, a mother and son is really kind of well used. And I love how there's certain lines where, um, like when he talked about a birthday party for her and he said, you know, I enjoy a bicentennial as much as the next person. Like he has these very kind of <laughs> small barbs that he throws at Lucille sometimes. And this, in this particular case, he says, after all these years, God's not going to take a call from you. <laughs> <laughs> There's a joke in the episode before, um, which is the Ron Howard, uh, when it sounds like she's actually going to pray, just Ron Howard going, this is a big get for God. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I, I love that, um, you know, after Lucille is gone, Job says, I did this. And he explains the whole thing about releasing the seal. And Michael goes, okay, you've got a better case than mom does. <laughs> and, and of course, Job wants to hunt down the seal, which Michael says, well, yeah, you could retrieve Buster's hand. They might be able to do a transplant. And I love how Job goes, at the very least, I can remove that incriminating bow tie. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Job does not care one way or another about the hand. Yeah. Um, and I love how we get a call back to the, the Simpsons geek writer joke when he relays the story of, of his conversation with maggie to Lindsay, and Lindsay says well first of all i'm sure there are writers on the simpsons who aren't geek <laughs> tobias and Lindsay are very um invested in um the baby um and tobias kind of wonders up saying is he trying to get out of having this baby and um it's given a reason for tobias and Lindsay to stay together which is just kind of the the oddest thing but i love how we here get a flashback to them kind of kissing and the narrator says it was weird it kind of was yeah and this yeah. is it's weird because this is the first time the like the last time that there was a story like this was almost exactly a year ago in terms of the episodes because it was just at the end of the martyr storyline where um i think it's uh martyr complex the 13th episode of the previous season or the 12th episode where tobias finally gets rid of the cutoffs and uh tobias and Lindsay actually have sex for the first time in like years and so kind of this this time they they were kind of forced together in a close space and again they seem to kind of be having sex again um so you know, I think it's interesting that it's basically once a year you actually get Lindsay and Tobias sharing any affection towards each other. Um, and then the narrator feels like probably the audience does that it is a bit weird. Um, and I love how this is the point at which Michael asks, and we're quite far into this episode before anybody even notices that maybe is uh, kind of missing at this point. Where, where Michael yeah. asks, where's your child? And I love I love Portia de Rossi's kind of line reading of... I don't have a child, <laughs> Michael. Um, and this is one of the, the long-running red herrings, actually, I'd say, where about about maybe possibly not being their daughter. Um, this is yeah. another one of those examples. Yeah. That, that actually, you know, the big twist we find out, oh, no, that's not, that's not it. Uh, <laughs> yeah we find without in this episode but much later on yeah she's well in fact given that this is the 12th episode of this series it is in fact one year from now that we find out the exact kind of uh the person that is not related to the blues um and you know maybe is most definitely the child of tobias and Lindsay. um but i love how tobias kind of uh, kind of laughs this off by saying she's hardly a child is she michael 
<laughs> which, <laughs> which is just kind of and then um this is probably one of my favorite kind of like uh visual jokes where after Lindsay says that uh, she's with the debate club on the way to Sacramento the narrator shows us a, a, a Google <laughs> screenshot and he says she wasn't and a Google search of the word Sacramento only came up with this and it's just a, it's just a Google search that says there are no results do you mean Sacramento um <laughs> And this is where we get back to the storyline uh, that has been going for quite a few episodes now of maybe accidentally being a studio head. And I I love... I mean, there's not very much Alia Shawkat in this episode. She's kind of just really in the middle here um, with this with this yeah. film thing. You know, she'll see Job in, in a couple of minutes' time. But I love her, her her reading of, am I the only one who wants to get home and see their kids? Like, she's <laughs> she's really into this character of being someone who is a lot older than she actually is. So much so to the point where she seems to have convinced herself that she's kind of like in her late 20s or something. Um, but I just I just kind of I just kind of love that line. You know, Michael kind of talks with Lindsay about, you know, if she is lying, you know, how would you feel to be the other person involved? that got dumped when someone better came along which of course is a humble brag from michael there about himself oh, yeah <laughs> and this is where he actually says i'm a good guy <laughs> and then of course this is where um earlier in the episode michael had promised to take george michael on some adventures and he decides at this point that this is the time to take <laughs> take george michael on an adventure to break into uh, maggie's house and so you know they they leave um, I, I like that that um, Buster has kind of fallen asleep on George Michael, and his like hook is like very close to George Michael's face. <laughs> and when Michael's like, uh, "Do you want to get away from Uncle Buster?" George Michael's just like, "I would really like that." Yeah. And that is kind of the start of a joke that will continue for like practically the rest of the, the run, where George Michael hates being around Buster because of the hook. <laughs> and they, you know, they go off to find who who the other man could be. And I love how Michael says uh, we're like a team, like Red McGibbon and Bullet, which is a reference to um, yep. Ready Aim Marry Me. And I love how George Michael goes, "Who?" <laughs> Just, which I, you know, it might it might be a reference to how much people hate that particular episode of uh, Rusted Development. <laughs> but uh, I, I just kind of like it, and I like that uh, George Michael, you know. Michael is ready to send him through the doggy doll. Which is a very Job-like plan. This is all, this is all flashbacks to Job sending Michael, uh, or George Michael in to get the, um, the files. Yeah. That the season one episode, break in and get the, the, yeah. Yeah, kind of palming off this particularly dangerous mission. And, you know, of course, we actually find out that if he had gone through the door, because obviously he doesn't need to go in because he, he finds, he finds a note taped to the door and he quickly runs back. And if he had gone inside, then there was a chance that he might have got shot by <laughs> by one of the officers. And I love how Michael goes, close call there, bullet. As if <laughs> like George Michael already doesn't know what that is referencing. I love I love sometimes when this show does its own kind of internal references like that. And uh, and Judge Reinhold will become a bit of a recurring joke, um, even though he's in one episode alone. But yeah, so I, I kind of love... Uh, I love how Michael frames this as well as how they're, they're having fun. <laughs> Uh, and obviously throughout, throughout this, the rest of this episode now George Michael will be trailing Michael around and George, uh, Michael will keep saying they're having fun and George Michael will not be having any fun <laughs> in any way the things that he sees are not pleasant from this particular time out an increasing amount of unfun I would say as it goes along <laughs> yeah. this is where, where Joe he has a load of um, cat carriers that are marked um, do they say terminally ill cats? I think is what it says on them. Yes, they yeah. do. And yeah, <laughs> and I, I almost wonder if that was like you know the, the network or standards or practice or somebody like coming in and saying no, 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 no. It's just it's just too upsetting to throw cats in there. You know, let's get some cat if they're gonna die anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is where we find out maybe he's shooting the old man and the sea, which is now on the advice of Mort Myers has been called the young man and the beach. <laughs> which I, I kind of love the I love the commentary there on the kind of corruption of adaptations in Hollywood, uh, and Job here on the boat is <laughs> is trying to he's got all these cats and he's trying to throw them into the ocean so that they will lure the seal, but he finds that it's very hard to 
uh, do this with cats. And in fact, he actually remarks, yeah. it's like herding cats. Um, which obviously <laughs> he's literally trying to do at this particular point. I, I love how the boat uh, is is being used uh, for the film production at the same time as Job has hired it to go and find the seal, which he describes as a, <laughs> the seal that's got a taste for kitty blood. <laughs> Uh, and this is, of course, where maybe spots Job, and we just we just kind of get a, a, a little brief exchange of Uncle Job, and then Job saying maybe, uh, before we cut back to Michael um, doing yet more detective work. Uh, except, of course, he hasn't done any detective work. He's merely called Jean Parmesan, uh, private detective. Um, in fact, it's a bit frustrating that they didn't get Martin Mull back, so he could just pop up. I don't know, maybe dressed up as a cop yeah. or something. That would have been like a really good gag if they went if they went to this address and and then it just turned out that it was uh, Jean Parmesan. That would be a funny joke. Uh, I guess at this particular point, Martin Mull was too busy to return, but I, I at least like the call out to to Jean Parmesan. Um, and then you know, as Michael arrives at the address, he finds out it's actually the home of uh, Officer Taylor and Carter who are a couple. This is where... I, I love this scene because it has... It, it, I mean, it has Officer um, Taylor saying that Michael is a good guy and Michael going, I know. Uh, which I I love how quickly he, he likes people calling him that. But then it also has the start of this weird little running joke that they do for the rest of the episode where Michael seems obsessed with breasts and breastfeeding um but in between that they do um probably what is one of the more obvious jokes that arrested development has ever done where um they 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 say that they gave maggie a cocktail uh two parts taylor and two parts carter um and officer carter says we decided that we never want to know which of us is the real father uh, and it's worth pointing out at yeah. this particular time that uh, one of the police officers is white and the other is black. So I have a feeling it will be fairly obvious. Um, but I just, I mean, it's kind of, I feel like that's not really an Arrested Development joke because it feels too obvious. To, and it makes these police officers look very stupid <laughs> in that they wouldn't realise. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, it still makes me laugh. And this actually maybe is a, is a good point to sort of ruin everything with, with uh the law in real life because um the cocktail so so it sort of sounds like they did this informally outside of a a, a fertility clinic is how it sounds is that they yeah they, you know they actually yeah which uh in all states i would i'm not an attorney i'm still studying for the bar i did go to law school um but California is one of the more surrogacy friendly states, but still, if you do this out, if you do, if you do a surrogacy or any sort of sperm donation within a clinic, um, the law covers that under contract law. But if you do it at home on your own, your contract will not be valid in all cases. Well, I mean, especially as Maggie decides to outsource it. Well, and this is where it gets very confusing too, because, because, you know, if, if, um, and with all of these cases, I mean, that's the thing. With, with any kind of surrogacy case, the only thing that goes to court are when things go wrong. If everyone agrees to what they informally agreed to, there's no case because everyone, you know, we're all fine. Nobody sues anybody. Yeah. But if, uh, if, if the woman decides that she wants to, that the waitress in this case decides she wants to keep that child, um, she can She's going. She's going to have surrogacy rights. So she's going to have parental rights yeah. within California. And at least she'll figure out. And there was a case who about the it. father was. Well, that's the thing. They would have to figure out which one's the father to even sue for paternity. And, um, but yeah, it's it's sort of uh, you know at the end you get the feeling it all worked out because if it didn't, uh, they did this. They did this very wrong. So you know, uh, I guess I guess Arrested Development. You know. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get your legal advice don't follow your legal advice from the rest of development because this this is all this is just all a big mess just a disaster all over the place <laughs> well at this particular point michael boasts that he for once is one lie ahead of maggie liza's lies and the narrator tells us <laughs> in fact michael was one lie behind her yep at this particular point we see barry in court telling everyone that Loretta is not fat, but a very greedy woman in a cheap fat suit. And this is where he starts pouring at Loretta. And Maggie says, this is an outrage. And of course, 
you know, Judge Ping says, uh, Mr. Zuckercorn, you've been warned about touching. And Barry goes, you said spanking. Yeah. <laughs> and the narrator lets us know that uh, Loretta wasn't overweight, but was carrying the child that Maggie was supposed to. Uh, and it was Loretta's uh, urine that Tobias and Lindsay ended up testing. A fact they missed when they were making it in the shower. <laughs> so everything gets kind of tied together. Um, and then obviously, you know, we see that 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 Maggie was sending back the 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 kind of fat suit that wasn't that was cheap, the one that Barry refers to, uh, and then she upgraded to a higher quality latex model, which of course is the one that she showed um, Michael. Um, and then as Loretta goes into labour, Maggie throws some water on the floor and says, I'm going into labour too. Which I, I love how kind of kind of transparent that ploy is, but it seems to work on the, on the judge. Uh, once again, Maggie kind of bending the court to her will by using like a cheap tricks. Uh, previously she was blind. Now she's pretending to be pregnant. Um, if she put this much effort into just, you know, actually being a good lawyer, she might win some cases. Uh, and, you know, this is where Job tells maybe that he thinks he's responsible for Buster's hand. Uh, and I love how maybe goes, yeah, and I'm responsible for an $80 million movie without an ending. <laughs> and I, Well, my favorite is actually Job's response. Yeah, I, I, well, <laughs> he goes... I know those problems seem big when you're a kid, maybe. Which is just such a... It's as if... He's just not listening <laughs> at all. It's such. It's just so so perfect, Job. Just whatever, yeah. And of course, she advises. She advises. Um, she advises him to tell the truth to to Buster, uh, and he and Job takes this as good advice. And after he leaves, maybe goes. Okay, now I'm just lying for no reason. Which is probably one of my favorite uh, maybe lines. Michael kind of he tracks down he tracks down Maggie going first to the courthouse and then to the hospital. And of course, Lucille begins uh, praying once more uh, to, to you know, I love how she goes, if you need to take another hand uh, to make that happen, please make it Job's. <laughs> uh, because, of course, Lucille does not care for Job. Uh, and then obviously this is one of the many times where Buster will use his hook to do something. Um, and he, he, he pinches like a, a tendon on Oscar's shoulders as he's trying to do his... Uh, trademark um, massaging his his hand <laughs> massage that he, he always does when he he greets people uh, and of course this is when everyone starts yelling and screaming and uh, uh, you know Buster <laughs> starts tearing down the curtains and ripping up the pillows and screaming at the top of his voice I'm a monster and this is something that he yep. will yell from time to time uh, not every episode, but you know, from now on, basically, anytime someone says something about the hook, he will just start screaming, "I'm a monster!" And then this is where Joe, you know, makes the the bad choice to tell the truth. And then, of course, when Buster finds out that Job did this to him, he leaps over the chair and attacks him. And we cut back to hospital where Maggie sees uh, where where the policemen have her, you know, Officer Taylor and. Um, the other one whose name I forget, they have got to the hospital and there was actually a cutscene here where we see Maggie was going to try to explain it by having Loretta have the baby, then swap places with her so she could pretend that she was helping Maggie have the baby. And it, it it's kind of weird because in that particular scene, Maggie says that, you know, she doesn't want to lose Michael because he's such a good guy. Um, you know, <laughs> so... I, I, I kind of like that. I think that scene had to be cut, though, if only because, I mean, the the documentary format of Arrested Development, let's face it, is already stretched to sort of impossible, you know, uh, it just, it makes no sense that this is a documentary still. Um, but why would the documentary <laughs> be following Maggie instead of one of the core yeah. characters? Uh, yeah, it is rare that we don't have scenes that involve the, the Blue family themselves. So it would be a kind of an odd scene. But then I love how, uh, you know, Michael keeps telling his son we're having an adventure. And he leaves George Michael kind of in the in the corridor with the, 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 um, the gay cops. Um and I love, I love when Michael he goes, he goes into the room. He sees Maggie, and he takes what is what he assumes is the baby from Maggie's arms, and runs back out and gives it 
to the cops and it turns out that it is the it's the fake pregnancy belly and officer carter says you just can't get off the breast thing because earlier michael had said which one of you will breastfeed Uh, as a joke and once again it wasn't well received by the uh by the people that he was making the joke with uh and everyone ends up back in the room with maggie and she confesses that she's not pregnant and that she uh, outsourced it to loretta um and and you know she says that (laughs) you know she was gonna give them their baby she never thought that michael would stick around and he says instantly i'm not going anywhere baby and then he goes what is wrong with me <laughs> and i love i love how quickly he kind of immediately tries to be a good guy and then at this particular point george michael witnesses uh, loretta having her baby <laughs> which I, I think is quite funny uh that you know that's the first like terrible thing that he sees but later on when he that doesn't is it before or after this that he sees the pictures of aunt Lindsay giving birth so at least um <laughs> At least. Oh, this this is after. Okay, um, so you know, he has a little reference there. Yeah. Yeah, he said he said he he talks to some like rough rough pictures that he saw. <laughs> Michael decides to send his his son to M, the main floor, uh, which the narrator tells us uh, M did not stand for main floor, <laughs> and we see George Michael arrive in the morgue. Michael and Maggie, as they did the year before, uh, they say goodbye to each other. And they kind of, you know, they they talk about how, um, you know, there's some crazy complication that they seem to crave. I like how Michael says, when we're together, it's like, and Maggie says, magic? And Michael goes, I was going to say a train wreck. <laughs> and then, of course, once they make the vow to for no more lying and no deceit and no sex, and Michael says, no more lies, uh, of course... They immediately have sex, and the narrator says, but that turned out, too, to be a lie. <laughs> and that is where the episode ends. And then in the on the next, we find that Buster and Job are being dealt with by Dr. Fishman, and he says, we've removed the hook, and there's been no damage, to which Job says, thank God. And Dr. Fishman says, but unfortunately, you've still got a hook in your ass. <laughs> yeah. Which they never show. They never show when it happens, and they don't show in, in this particular scene. Um... Which, you know, is kind of odd. Uh, And then, of course, we get something that has never been followed up on in the show, which I think is a bit disappointing, which is Maggie takes a pregnancy test and finds out that she's actually pregnant. Um, The narrator says Maggie gets a big surprise, which I think is an apt way to to end the episode. Season five. Season five. (laughs) <laughs> saying you've got to be kidding me well hey you know what maybe maybe she was just testing her blood sugar and you know we don't know that it's a pregnancy test that it could be <laughs> oh uh, look, this this drug test came back i did some crack who knows you know well, that's not that's not jump to the pregnancy test because they've never dealt with it one way or another uh yeah but i mean to me uh, yeah no she's pregnant it's yeah <laughs> she's she's definitely pregnant and I, I think it's kind of disappointing that in season four they never they never got to have her back of course you know she she was very busy she's been very busy for the last few years doing veep um one of the reasons why of course tony hales getting all those emmys and, yeah which of course is yeah. why tony hales like appearances um in in the show were very limited in uh, in season four um but it would have been nice if they could have had a appear with like a an eight-year-old kid um you know they they essentially <laughs> did a similar joke with um with Anne, and she had a kid and you know they thought joe thought it was his but it was actually tony wonders so uh, you know, it would have been nice if they could have if they could have like paid that kind of little joke off. But uh, you know, as it is, it it works as a funny joke um, by itself. Uh, so, is there anything else that you think we need to discuss about this particular episode? You know, I I, I guess just uh, I mean, this is this is the the last appearance of Maggie thus far. Um, I you know, I think Maggie might be my my favorite. Uh, uh of the of michael's women um i was just thinking the other day that like we don't ever get to see maggie really interact with too much of the rest of the family no i would love to see maggie and joke together i think it would i i think obviously that you know we see her with like barry and that's pretty much it like you don't really get to see her interact with anybody else uh we get one tiny scene in the first two parts of where she um she talks to buster um, so that mm-hmm. is obviously, you know, the the first time that you see those two together. 
before they started doing Veep. Um, but but yeah, like Maggie and Job as as a as a couple, the way that you know Job and Michael sometimes fight <laughs> over women. I mean, that would just be they. <laughs> yeah, with Job's obliviousness to anything that isn't directly related to like him and and Maggie's just deception, they they would be epic together. And uh, if I had to put in a request <laughs> for the future, just anything with the two of them, um, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe Job should have should figure out like Maggie goes to Job trying to hint hint, you know, look at look at this kid. Maybe it's your Uncle Job, and he just doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I think. Um... I think the first of these two of this two part is slightly better actually. I remember picking this episode because I was like, "Oh, it's going to be the one of the hand, the hand, the, the first hand uh, hook hand episode." But I actually think the the first half of this two parter is slightly stronger for me. Although obviously it's still really good. Um, yeah, the first part really sets up the whole stuff with the kind of like loose seal and it being a loose mm-hmm. seal, like all that all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think it's quite fun, and obviously, you know, Buster loses his hand in the on the next. So, and we find out that Maggie's not pregnant yeah. on the next. So, some of that episode is actually kind of given away to like store the storylines in this episode, um, which is a bit unusual. So, I guess this can sort well, of feel like um, just kind of like a um, like it's going over stuff that was kind of done as a gag in the previous episode and kind of expanding on that. Uh, and I think sometimes with season two, because obviously they, they cut it down by four episodes, I th- I think sometimes if something feels like it's n- kind of, I don't want to say wasting time, but you feel like the amount of episodes are a bit more finite in seasons two and three. So sometimes anything that feels like it's kind of going over stuff that's already been covered kind of doesn't, it feels like you could have done something else. Um, but I still like this episode because I think some of the, the stuff with... Um, with Maggie is kind of very solid and the kind of the whole twist on who is pregnant and who isn't pregnant and people thinking that this is someone's wearing a fat suit and someone else is. And I think that's kind of the stuff that Arrested Development really, um, it really does well is the kind of deceit. Yeah. It is interesting now, uh, you know, it is sort of interesting to think about the, the, the timing and the pacing because this does close out what was set up before with, with the, with, with Maggie. Um, but in terms of of the hand, this really is almost like a middle section because we don't really get closure on that until until later on when when uh, they got the GPS tracking and and they're going to go try to find the seal. Yeah, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do really kind of they do really kind of um, get into the stuff with the seal later on, um, and obviously it takes them until season three before they kind of get. Buster kind of confronting the seal, um, but so this is kind yeah. of just the start of that. Also, Zuckercorn, Zuckercorn, and Doctor and Doctor Fishman or whatever are two two of my favorite. Yeah, um, kind of cameo appearance. Being, I think they're both strong in this one. Yeah, oh, they yeah. both yeah, have yeah, some no. read. I mean, I think the whole the all right. I think this episode is worth it just for yeah. the whole all right gag. That is probably <laughs> one of my favorites. If and when I ever get my um my ter- terrible lawyers throughout uh, media podcast going um <laughs> you know it's it's uh Barry is is a terrible lawyer but sort of in a great way um as opposed to Maggie who uh, with, with Barry you know the sort of terrible lawyer you're getting from the start with Maggie seems <laughs> very competent and is just not um, yeah. at all uh, so if there's nothing else to say about this episode I will go to plugs uh, Alex do you have anything you wish to plug well I am starting a podcast I think with a, a friend of mine but that's not uh, decided in terms of the name so probably best to just <laughs> follow me on t- t- oh yeah so super vague um, if you have Twitter I am at Alex Keeley K-E-A-L-Y and Melissa one day uh, in the future I, I will have um uh, it's a legal pop culture podcast a friend and I are putting together, but she's currently uh, with the Florida Supreme Court and she's not allowed to do any social media, anything until her term there ends in a year. So we're just <laughs> sort of prepping that. But uh, in the in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Double Dog Darrow, like Clarence Darrow, uh, D-A-R-R-O-W. Um, and you can read my, my fortnightly 
tweets on what I ate, and then one day I'll announce when, when we can actually do our podcast when we're all free of the uh, social media ban of the state of Florida. On the next episode of I've Made a Huge Mistake, um, we're going to be covering episode 13. Uh, my guests will be Stephanie Stone Rob and uh, Keith Allison. And that episode, of course, is Mother Boy 30. Uh, we should just be clear that that is about the dance and not about the group. Uh, I don't want anyone getting sued over that. Um, so otherwise, thanks to both of you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And otherwise, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Hot cars, we'll clean up the town. We'll turn that old brown upside down. Hot cars, we're aiming to please. You know we'll get down on our knees. We're taking on the bad boys.